Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, a special edition of the CBS Evening News from outside Westminster Abbey after the world bids a final farewell to Queen Elizabeth II. An emotional day of royal traditions for Britain's longest-serving monarch. The long walk home to her final resting place, lined with a million people saying goodbye. Plus details on the royal family and the Queen's great-grandchildren. CBS's Charlie Daggett and Holly Williams join us tonight on The Symbolism. Hurricane Fiona slams Puerto Rico, causing catastrophic damage. CBS's David Begno is there. You could see people standing on cars on the second story of their homes, which were flooded. CBS News exclusive President Biden's uncertain answer about running for re-election in 2024. Is it a firm decision that I've run again? CBS's Ed O'Keefe reports on the fallout. And the showdown over busing migrants reignites the immigration debate. CBS's Manuel Bohorkis is in El Paso. This is a special edition of the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting tonight from London. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Monday night. We are here outside Westminster Abbey. This is a church that is nearly a thousand years old and has held coronations, royal weddings, and today the funeral of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The other big story we are covering tonight is what's happening in Puerto Rico, where there has been devastating damage caused by Hurricane Fiona. In just a moment, we'll speak with CBS's David Begno, who is on the ground in San Juan and seeing the destruction firsthand. But first, here in London, the state funeral steeped in centuries of tradition and viewed by billions around the world. King Charles III and other members of the royal family getting emotional during the solemn processions to the Queen's final resting place. We have a lot of news to get to tonight, and CBS's Charlie Daggett is in Windsor to start us off. 
Good evening, Charlie. What a day, truly breathtaking pageantry. Good evening to you, Nora. It was magnificent, if you can call a funeral magnificent. Tens of thousands of people gathered here in Windsor to watch the funeral on the big screens and then to await the arrival of the Queen herself. And when it ended, there was a two-minute moment of silence here and across the nation, a poignant end to an historic moment. And so it ends with a spectacular send-off no nation could ever rival. Queen Elizabeth's 70 years of reign came to a close with splendor and sadness. The coffin carried from Westminster Hall to Westminster Abbey, where world leaders had already arrived. President Joe Biden, one of a handful of those allowed to make their own way, but assigned a seat 14 rows back. The coffin of the queen, followed by the rest of her family, including a grief-stricken King Charles. A handwritten note on the coffin, he wrote, saying, in loving and devoted memory amongst the flowers. But even as today was about the loss of a head of state, it was about a family too. And we pray today, especially for all her family, grieving as every family at a funeral. But this wasn't any family, that loss, that constant in so many lives now gone. In a day so packed with symbolism, one symbol was missing. As the coffin left the abbey came a salute from Prince William and other senior royals in which Prince Harry could not partake in civilian dress as a non-working royal. The funeral cortege moved up toward the mall at Buckingham Palace, where she had witnessed and celebrated so many events, including her jubilee this summer, now witness to the Queen's final act. At the edge of royal London, the Queen's family, including young Prince George and Princess Charlotte, watched solemnly as the coffin was loaded into a hearse. The procession left London on a journey of roughly 25 miles, the Queen leaving London for the last time. For the thousands upon thousands of people who have gathered here today, people from Windsor, England, from around the world, this is the last chance to pay their last respects a final farewell. The long walk to Windsor Castle, the place the Queen had most considered home where her pony and two corgis waited. Elizabeth II. And finally, a service at St. George's Chapel, where she was laid to rest with her husband, Prince Philip, as her nation mourned. Closing a chapter in history and bidding farewell to the only monarch most have ever known. So the period of national mourning has officially ended today. Royal mourning, that's another week. And while Charles became king the moment his mother died, the coronation is expected to take place late spring, early summer next year. Nora. Charlie Daggett, thank you so much. Today's farewell to Her Majesty is likely to go down in history as the most watched television event. And here in London, a sight we are likely to never see again in our lifetime, mourners lining the streets to get one last glimpse of their queen. Here's CBS's Holly Williams.
On the streets of London today, the crowds stood in silence. A final chance to farewell Elizabeth, their queen for over seven decades. Businesses closed in the heart of this usually frenetic city and train travellers were brought to a standstill. It's too much to take, but it's a very good send-off. Madeva Madeva and his family moved to this country just nine years ago from India. She's such a nice, amazing lady. She's such a hard worker. The funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, perhaps the most famous woman in the world, drew broadcasters from around the globe to the British capital and an audience predicted to reach four billion. In Nepal, they paid their final respects to the Queen with Buddhist chanting. In Kenya, they held a memorial service for her in a church she visited as a young princess. And inside Westminster Abbey today, alongside kings, sultans and presidents, were retired Major Peter Norton and Colour Sergeant Johnson Bahari, winners of the highest British awards for bravery. It's a highly charged, very emotional service. It was hard for me to hold it together. Being in uniform, I had to try and be tough being, um, and hold it together. But it had moments where I had to you know, let it out. Did you shed a tear? Yeah, a couple little ones, yeah. The funeral was filled with British pomp, but also deeply moving. I was standing just yards from the Queen's coffin as it was carried into Westminster Abbey today, and I was surrounded by a crowd of hard-nosed journalists, and many of them were visibly affected. And Nora, that includes myself. It was hard not to be. Holly, to you and the entire London Bureau that has worked so tirelessly. We've all been here like 20 hours. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, the symbolism here has been quite striking, and both the Princess of Wales and the Duchess of Sussex paid tribute to the Queen by wearing jewelry from Her Majesty. Catherine with her four-strand pearl and diamond choker, and Meghan with a pair of earrings the Queen had given her in 2018. Earlier, we spoke with Roya Nika, royal editor for The Sunday Times and a CBS News royal contributor. Roya, you were inside Westminster Abbey for the funeral. What was it like to be in that room? It was spine tingling to be in the Abbey for the funeral. When the procession swept in with the Queen's coffin, with the crown and the scepter and orb on there, with her family behind her, it was one of the most profoundly moving moments I can remember. What did you notice first? I noticed the, the emotion on the king's face instantly. Were you surprised to see the king weep? I think the first 10 days of King Charles's new reign have been quite emotional. And I think we're so used to seeing Charles and the royal family being very stiff upper lip. It is quite surprising to see him weep, but actually I think he's gonna be a more emotional king than a lot of us think. There were so many personal touches throughout this procession. I thought it was really magical when it moved to Windsor. The really poignant scenes of the Queen's favourite pony, Emma, standing on the long walk, sort of with a salute, with her head bowed, and her two remaining corgis with the footman waiting at St George's Chapel to see her off. I thought that was so sweet. The Prince of Wales, now the heir to the throne. Two of his children were there, Prince George and Princess Charlotte. It sent a very powerful message. It sent a really powerful message about the future of the monarchy with the King, his heir, and the future heir. 
but it was also incredibly personal. I think to have the Queen's great-grandchildren there, so young, nine and seven, walking in a procession behind her coffin, a really touching and personal family moment. Princess Charlotte seems to keep her brother in line. She certainly does. I mean, there was such a wonderful moment as the Queen was coming off the state gun carriage into the hearse and you could see Charlotte chatting away to George. You could see her saying, you've got to bow. She knows her stuff and she's pretty good at keeping her brothers in check. My sense is we will see more of that in the future. And we want to turn now to the severe weather and Hurricane Fiona, which has strengthened into a Category 2 storm with maximum sustained winds of 100 miles per hour. Fiona battered Puerto Rico with torrential rains, which caused massive flooding. And tonight, much of the island is without power, with at least two deaths being blamed on the storm. CBS's David Begno is in San Juan. Hurricane Fiona roared ashore, dumping as much as 25 inches of rain driving up winds to 91 miles per hour all along Puerto Rico's southern coast. There were moments like this, neighbors with a boat, some rope, and a desperate will to save a family trapped in high water. There has been catastrophic flooding and mudslides, down trees and power lines. Brown flood water flowed in all directions, seemingly swallowing everything in its path. In Utuado, in the center of the island, this new metal bridge, built just four years ago after Hurricane Maria, was swept away like a twig. Nearly the entire island is in the dark. Some 1.3 million people are still without power. Almost 840,000 have no running water. We got in a helicopter and we first flew over to Abaja. You could see people standing on cars on the second story of their homes. And then we headed all the way west to the municipality of Añasco. That's where, above the water and out of danger, Norma Rivera grew up and is determined to stay. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. We're going to make it work. Even if we got a tent. Lourdes, who also rode out the storm here, says her community was just starting to recover from Hurricane Maria back in 2017. They worked so hard for their things and now they're losing it again. You know, tomorrow marks five years that Hurricane Maria ravaged the island of Puerto Rico, and that cut power to people for months. And now because of Fiona, most Puerto Ricans are going to wake up tomorrow morning and be without power yet again. More. David Begno, thank you for your steadfast reporting on the island. Thank you. Well, there's fallout tonight after President Biden's interview with 60 Minutes. Comments he made about the pandemic led stocks of three COVID vaccine makers to plunge, shares falling as much as 9 percent. CBS's Ed O'Keefe reports from the White House. President Biden's conclusion on 60 Minutes Sunday that the COVID pandemic has ended prompted pushback from health experts and clarifications from top officials. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's what the pandemic is over. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra, who held a photo op promoting the latest COVID booster shot, was asked what the president meant. Make no mistake, people are still dying. And what the president is saying is that we all want to get back to where we were before COVID. While overall case rates are dropping, nearly 400 people are still dying each day, with about 30,000 currently hospitalized. And Dr. Anthony Fauci today warned vaccination rates are too low to end the pandemic. 
it is likely that we will see another variant emerge and there's already on the horizon. Mr. Biden was also asked on 60 Minutes about whether he plans to run for re-election. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, my intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. If the president were to step aside, it could spark a wide-open fight for the Democratic nomination. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump, a potential 2024 challenger, sparked controversy at a weekend rally in Ohio, where his remarks were set to music that resembled the QAnon theme song. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers. Many in the crowd responded to the music with a QAnon salute. The Trump team dismissed any ties to QAnon. Meanwhile, the president also told 60 Minutes the U.S. military would defend Taiwan against a, quote, unprecedented attack from China. White House officials later clarified U.S. policy towards Taiwan hasn't changed. The Chinese called the president's comments. Well, they said they sent the wrong signal. Nora. Ed O'Keefe of the White House, thank you. U.S. border officials said today just over 2 million migrants have been apprehended and processed in the last year. That record high includes more than 200,000 just last month. CBS's Manuel Bohorkas reports tonight from El Paso, Texas, a border city struggling to respond. Yet another bus carrying migrants arrived in New York City from Texas, a multi-day journey that for many started here. El Paso, where Border Patrol says more than 1,000 migrants are crossing into the area a day. To ensure they're no longer sleeping in the streets, the city set up this migrant welcome center. You're getting an average of 400 people a day? Yes, sir. Right. And that's, that's a lot. And that's going to be increasing shortly. So you don't see this slowing down at this point? At this point, we're just managing the numbers that they come in. The asylum seekers here are mostly from Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba, which lack diplomatic ties with the U.S. and therefore no quick way to return them. Marielba Atencio is trying to get to New York with her three-year-old son. There's no work, not enough money. You think you, you would die. Here, they get help reaching their next destination, some seeing it laid out for the first time. You're seeing how long it's going to take. El Paso has sent nearly 60 buses with migrants north, but the city says it's closely coordinated that with local leaders at those destinations to ensure they are ready to receive them. We're also learning tonight that a local sheriff has launched a criminal investigation into how Florida's governor transported nearly 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts last week. Nora. Many Bajorquez on the border. Thank you. Millions followed the case of Adnan Syed on the podcast Serial. Well, tonight he walked out of prison after more than two decades. That story when we return. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, 
New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. A judge in Baltimore today overturned the murder conviction of Adnan Syed, whose case was featured in the hit podcast Serial, and ordered his release from prison. Syed, now 41, walked out of the courthouse after spending more than two decades behind bars. Prosecutors say new evidence suggests other suspects may have killed his high school girlfriend. Tonight, Ukraine is accusing Russia of nuclear terrorism after a Russian missile blasted a crater outside a nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. Officials say the plant's reactors were not damaged and they're working normally, but the strike renewed fears of a possible radioactive disaster. Coming up next, an American hostage is finally heading home after a prisoner swap. An American hostage was released from Afghanistan today in a prisoner swap with the Taliban. Former U.S. Navy officer Mark Freyricks was abducted more than two and a half years ago. He was released in exchange for an Afghan heroin smuggler. And we will be right back from London. Finally tonight, Queen Elizabeth's historic 70-year reign in her own words. I declare before you all my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. Throughout all my life and with all my heart, I shall strive to be worthy of your trust. I do not give you laws or administer justice, but I can do something else. I can give you my heart. The ceremonies you have seen today are ancient, but their spirit and their meaning shine through the ages, never perhaps more brightly than now. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will meet again. The end of an era. And we leave you tonight with a picture just posted by the royal family with the caption, May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. I'm Nora O'Donnell in London. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. 
Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 